0: It is a beautiful day to apply some logic and confess the truth. I'm Megan Steele, and this is Confessions of a School Nurse. Well, hello and welcome back. Today we start episode 11, and it's going to be the first of three over the Nuremberg trials and why that is so important for us as nurses in our care that we give to our patients every single day. So I guess I just kind of want to start out with asking how your challenge went last week. Did you get the book ordered? Did you order The Rise of the Fourth Reich by Steve Dase and Daniel Horowitz? If you haven't, please, please do. It is a fantastic read. The book really has um, profound insights and it's got a powerful narrative. It really left an impact on um, my perspective and it really kind of helped change the way that I perceive and do my research with regard to medical information. Um, When I went back to school for my nursing degree way back in the early 2000s, it's completely different now. And so it's really a life altering book. I highly recommend that you get it. Um, It has changed the way that my thoughts are and the decisions that I make to this day even. So please, please get that book if you haven't done that. Also last week I gave you the challenge about really standing up. You're potentially about to be given a second chance, a redo of what happened in 2020. So are you ready to stand up against all of these mandates that are potentially coming our way? Um, I had an email uh, from a listener and she asked why i was so against masking and vaccination and i responded to her and i want to respond and let let all the listeners know that i'm not against you choosing to mask and to you know be vaccinated but i'm against the mandating of such actions right i'm against the mandates Um, I take the approach that you do you. If you want to mask, mask. If you wanna get vaccinated, be vaccinated. That's your choice, you do you. You do what is best for you and your family and your children and a government or a local health department shouldn't be mandating those things. Uh, don't, Don't force it upon anybody. And honestly, that's what I'm frustrated with and that's what I'm speaking out against is you need to be able to do you. You do what is best for you, Uh, big government, they imposed medical authoritarianism in the guise of pandemic mandates and restrictions, and they lacked a scientific basis to do so. The ability to choose what is best for me and my family was all taken away under the name and the guise of control and fear. And to be honest, the only thing that we should be fearing is the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? Doesn't take much logic there, does it? Uh, But continuing on, I had another really interesting email conversation with another listener, um, and she just could not understand why I would want to waste my time covering the Nuremberg trials because what happened during COVID wasn't even close to what happened to the Jews and what many others experienced during the Holocaust. Oh, Rachel, she was very upset and um, I, I get it, but I also don't because I've done my research and I've done my homework and I want to encourage you to do your research and do your homework, which is again, get the book and then listen to my podcast today and for the next two weeks because I'm going to cover why it's so crucial that we as nurses and we as educators know these things. Um, Rachel really felt that there was a tragedy with horrific implications And then COVID was just restrictions to help protect lives. And so I would like to help you understand why it is important to know our history. The basis of the concentration camps and the mass execution was to rid the area of those that believed and thought differently than the ones that were in charge. That's ultimately what it was. So looking at the, you know, past three years, our employers, our hospitals, our schools, our mainstream media, social media, publications, newspapers you name it they all regulated what we said and what we believed, right? People lost their jobs, they lost their livelihoods, their licenses, their medical licenses. Um, people spoke out against something, or if they refused to follow the mandates or even question it, really bad, horrific implications happened. Now, we weren't, you know, rounded up at gunpoint, but we were forced out of our jobs and we were forced out of our churches, doctor's offices, schools, out of stores. For heaven's sakes, we couldn't even keep toilet paper and paper towels on the shelves. Right? Like the biggest issue that I have here, Rachel, and I think that many others have this too, and is that you guys get defensive when you try to compare the two because you believe that a genocidal fascism is the only limited to targeting a particular race or ethnicity. And I don't believe that that's true and I've done my homework on it. And so today I would like to pull out my handy dandy dictionary. I need to get that little song playing in the background from the handy dandy notebook of Blue's Clues, but I won't do that today. So I want to tell you um, what from my dictionary of what fasc- fascism means, because this is important. All right. Fascism, a political philosophy, movement or regime that exalts nation and race above the individual. And that stands for centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader okay so you see it is not a matter of targeting one race it's about creating a standard of national interests and proclaiming that anyone who doesn't subscribe to these interests is a threat to the nation do you remember that you couldn't go bury a loved one or see them die and hold their hand in the hospital but you could just walk down the street and protest with the Black Lives Matter movement. Schools expelled and daycares, even daycares expelled two-year-olds for not covering their mouth and their nose with a mask, but at the same time allowed men to go into women's restrooms and women were getting raped and then nothing was being done when they tried to report it. So you see, you either are with the state Or you're against them and a large amount of the things that have occurred over the past three years were all done under the guise of science and given the chance they will do it again and this time they're going to come back stronger by learning from history's mistakes and successes we are better equipped to make informed decisions, navigate complex issues that are around us today, and whether that be in our personal lives, our family lives, at the bedside of our patients, or in your classroom, or in the school's nurse's office. Education is not about memorizing that Hitler killed six million Jews. Education is understanding how millions of ordinary Germans were convinced that it was required. And education is learning how to spot the signs of history repeating itself. This, this is why we must cover these topics in this podcast. Nurses, friends, you have got to stand your ground because history is repeating itself. You have to protect your family and you have to protect your students. You are one of the only things standing between your students and complete control by the devil. All right, that's why I believe it's so important for us to know history. So I wanna dive straight in for a bit of a history lesson. And then next week we're gonna cover more of the actual medical things that happened and why nurses are tied up so, tightly into that, as well as physicians. And then in week three, we're going to go over why the Nuremberg Code, what came out of that for medical ethics, and how that has a direct correlation into the um, uh, school nursing scope and standards of practice book. So if you haven't got that, go ahead and download it. You can do that online at the ANA or the National Association of School Nurses. But that'll be coming up in week three. So today, We're gonna go way back in time. We're gonna go back to 1899 at the Hague Convention in the Netherlands, okay? This is when it all kind of started. There were 26 nations and they convened to codify a list of rules regarding waging war. And they didn't really get anywhere except that you couldn't use specific bullets, Um, In war and you couldn't you throw anything over hot air balloons right because this was before the Wright brothers even had the first flight and so they couldn't use certain uh, chemical weapons uh, in hot air balloons how far we have come in life right. Okay, so not much happened in 1899, so then we're gonna fast forward to 1907 and President Roosevelt summoned 44 nations and they met again, but they really just couldn't come up with anything. Um, The only thing that came out of that convention was that war crimes should not go unpunished, but war crimes wasn't actually defined and made very specific what, what war crimes really entailed. Okay, so then World War I happens and then World War I ends. So in February of 1920, the Allies submitted 900 names of people to the Germans that should be tried for war crimes, um, for killing innocent people, killing prisoners of war, um, and they used chemical weapons. So the Germans only were gonna try 45 people, but actually only 12 faced uh, prosecution. And all 12 had less than four-year prison sentences some of them didn't even have to go to prison out of those 12. so this really didn't settle well with nations across the world and it was kind of looked at a very laughing matter like germany was like ha 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 we got you yeah we tried them and it didn't it didn't settle well but the great depression hit and obviously the american economy tanked economies around the world tanked then the start of world war ii really in those early 30s things were very unsettled politically around the world Um, but the actual persecution of jews in germany started on april 1st of 1933. this is when hitler declared a boycott of jewish businesses and then a week later on april 8th he set out the anti-semitic laws And they were passed um, and essentially said that civil service employment was restricted to Aryan Germans, and so the Jews uh, couldn't work in the government positions anymore. They couldn't be teachers, nurses, uh, professors, judges, or doctors. This is also about that time that the famous book burnings occurred all over Germany whenever they would throw the books out in the street and have the big bonfires with those. Uh, But here's a key word, because a lot of people talk about uh, Semitic and anti-Semitic, and I want you to know what those mean, because it's important when people try to use those words in today's society, because they don't really know what they mean, and they're just throwing stuff out there. So uh, we're going to take a look at what that means in our handy-dandy dictionary. The Semitic is of relating to or characteristic of the Semites, which are Jewish descendants okay those are jews that's what that means and then if we go to say what anti-semitism means it's hostility toward or discrimination against jews as a religious or racial group okay do you so when you hear people say these things on the news or scrolling through your reels on social media and they're using the words anti-semitism doesn't really add up with with what the actual definition is. So I think that's important for you to know. A little bit of a side note, but important for you to know. All right. Um, so the Jews are now being persecuted. We're now towards the end of 1938-ish, early 1939, and a large portion, over half of the Germans, uh, the Jewish Germans, have fled to America, have fled to Great Britain. But Germany is now invading Czechoslovakia and Poland, and they didn't know what to do with the three and a half million Polish Jews that were still there. And so Hitler asked um, Heinrich Heimler, he was a cruel, cruel individual. I know God has a special plan for him, but he was the head of the SS and he devised a plan to get rid of the Jews. So he and several other high SS people decided that the Jews should be systematically exterminated. And that was the words that were used during the Nuremberg trials. Um, And so all these mass killings began, concentration camps, they were already being built to house prisoners, but they started shifting their focus more towards human um, experimentation, medical experimentation, Um, obviously the gas chambers, we know about those as well. So um, again, next week, I'm gonna go into those human experimentations a little bit more, uh, but just as the overview of of everything, we're gonna fast forward to May 8th of 1945, and this is Victory in Europe Day. This is when Germany surrenders, the war in, um, in Germany in that area is over. But remember, we were also fighting a war in the Pacific, So while they're dealing with um, liberating all of these countries, the war in the Pacific is still going on. Um, However, in September of 1945 is when after Hiroshima happened. um, That's whenever uh, Japan surrendered. I think it was like September 2nd, 1945, Um, somewhere around that time. I'm so sorry. I don't remember the actual date. Um, But The lead up to the Nuremberg trials, this was a pivotal chapter in the aftermath of World War II because um, as the Allied troops were marching through Germany and the other countries, they were liberating those concentration camps and they were uncovering all of this evidence and all of these horrific war crimes. And they were like, somebody has to be charged for this. This is not okay what happened. And the stories these people were telling and when they would unearth these, these horrible graves and see all these damages done to these bodies uh, of people that had died, um, they knew that something had to be done. So this couldn't ever happen again. So even before the war was over in 1943, the allies agreed to no matter who it was, they were gonna try these leaders, right? They were gonna go way back to that 1907 meeting and they were gonna try these people appropriately for the war crimes they committed. So the war ended, right? They've gathered all of this evidence over the past couple of years. And so where are we gonna do these trials? What are we gonna do? And so they selected Nuremberg, Germany. And the reason for this was that uh, this was widely regarded as the true home of the Nazi party. A large majority of the propaganda that we still see, like on, you know, uh, if you look at history videos and all of those big propaganda parades and all that kind of stuff, that was all held in Nuremberg, Germany. And so it was kind of just to go back and really try what they did and and have some justice there. So the building that they chose to have this at was the Palace of Justice. And this was one of the very few official buildings that had not been damaged by the Allied bombing. So that's where this was all at. And then prior um, to the start, right, the allies are like, we need to try this, but we've never really had a true international tribunal of what needs to happen. So between June 26th and August 2nd of 1945, the leading legal representative from the United States and Britain, the Soviet Union and France all met in London, and they crafted this set of rules and procedures that this formal military tribunal will happen. Uh, the nations essentially agreed to 30 articles that would make up the International Tribunal. Article six outlined the nature of the crimes and um, then Article eight declared that even if the accused was following orders from the government or a superior, it would not free him from responsibility. And if I remember correctly last week, we talked about the code of ethics, or maybe it was the week before that. We talked about the code of ethics and provision 4.2. 4.2, remember that? Nurses are accountable for their practice even in instances of system failures. Sound a little familiar, doesn't it? Anyways, uh, there were four counts that essentially all of these 22 criminals would face. Count one was dealing with the common plan uh, in which the whole Nazi group came to power. So they, the definition of it was that they planned, prepared, initiated, and waged wars of aggression, which were also wars in violation of international treaties, agreements, or assurances. And then count two dealt with crimes against peace. Count three was war crimes, and we're going to have a lot of uh, the medical stuff that happened under this uh, count three. Um, This dealt with the murder, the ill treatment of civilian populations, uh, murders and ill treatment um, due to shooting, hanging, gassing, starvation, uh, inadequate provision of surgical and medical services, kickings, beatings, brutality and torture. Um, And then the fourth count that these 22 individuals were going to go against was dealing with uh, crimes against humanity, and that was more focused on the actual genocide of populations. I do want you to know that there was not just one Nuremberg trial, there were actually a total of 13. After this huge first one and everything became public with that, the United States uh, prosecuted another 12 cases. Uh, in Nuremberg, Germany. So essentially the medical code Mm -hmm. of ethics and all of that came from all of this and all of this evidence. I mean, there were, it was like 236 days long of the trial for this first one. So there was just a lot of information to sort through and things found out and testimonies that were heard. So a lot of people don't know that there was more than one Nuremberg trial, but there really was. This first one that I've talked about briefly, Uh, began on November 20th of 1945, and it ended on October 1st of 1946. So quite a long time for a court case. Um, But I wanna leave you with some things that were said, actual transcripts that were said in the uh, first Nuremberg trial because this sets up all of the reasons for our medical things, okay? So this first one is from the Henrik, I just like putting that little h on it. It's kind of fun to say. But anyway, Henrik Heimler, um, this, is, this is what he said about the children of the Jews. Are you ready? What the nations can offer in the way of good blood of our type we will take if necessary, by kidnapping their children and raising them as slaves here with us. Then, um, after that, then this other, um, he continued on saying, after the tattooed prisoners had been examined, The ones with the best and most articulate specimens were kept in the dispensary and then killed by injections. The corpses were then turned over to the pathological department where the desired pieces of tattooed skin were detached from the bodies and treated. And they used those tattoos and they fashioned lampshades and ornamental household articles out of it. And then um, to continue with that later on in the trial, um, it is quoted, it was a common practice to remove the skin from dead prisoners. I was commanded to do this on many occasions. This is testimony from an actual doctor um, in the concentration camps. It was chemically treated and placed in the sun to dry. After that, it was cut into various sizes for use as saddles, riding breeches, gloves, house slippers, and ladies handbags. Tattooed skin was especially valued by the SS men. Also, we frequently got requests for the skulls or skeletons of prisoners. In those cases, we boiled the skull or the body Then the soft parts were removed and the bones were bleached and dried and reassembled um there was a french witness that was a doctor and he was um one of the leading people at an institute that had been overtaken by the germans and so then he was put into a concentration camp and he talks about um the experiments and he This is just one of them that he talks about. Um, This this happened in Block 45 in uh, Buchenwald. Uh, Prisoners were most commonly, quote, used for observing the effects of drugs, poisons, and bacterial cultures. When the Nazis conducted experiments on the effectiveness of vaccines for typhus, healthy individuals were deliberately contaminated. That sounds a little familiar like the COVID vaccine. As a scientist, uh, this doctor, he said, the experiments carried out in Block 46 did without doubt serve a medical purpose, but for the greater part, they were of no service to science. Therefore, they can hardly be called experiments. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? There's a lot to connect. Just wait till next week when I really go into it. This one is the most cruel and the most sad. It's horrific, but I want you to know how serious this is. The newborn children, if Jewish, were immediately put to death. A few minutes after delivery, the child was taken from the mother, who never saw it again. An order was issued that the children were to be thrown into the crematory ovens or the crematory ditches without previous asphy- asphyxiation with gas. The children were thrown in alive, their cries could be heard all over the camp. The Holocaust stands as a horrific, horrific reminder of the darkest depths to which humanity can sink, but it also serves as a chilling lesson in the realm of medical ethics. The horrors perpetrated by Nazi doctors, nurses, and scientists who conducted these experiments on countless innocent victims reveals the absolute necessity of upholding ethical principles in healthcare, no matter how small the situation is. The Holocaust underscores the paramount importance of informed consent, the prohibition of harm, and that the rights of every individual, regardless of their circumstances, should be protected. It is a haunting testament to the moral duty of medical professionals to prioritize the well being and dignity of their patients or students above all else, and to never allow science to be perverted into a tool of oppression or cruelty ever again. And that, my friends, is why I am speaking to you today. We have to know our history, we have to educate ourselves so that way we can make the best decisions for ourselves and be advocates, true, true advocates for our students and our patients. Next week, again, we're going to dive straight into those actual experiments, the actual things that were happening medical wise. And then again, in week three, we're going to go over um, what the actual Nuremberg Code is for uh, medical ethics, for today's modern medical ethics that were all thrown out during the covid And that all need to be brought back again. So I hope that you can see why I'm kind of on this crusade of make Nuremberg great again. We have to uphold these things, right? Informed consent, prohibition of harm, and that the rights of every individual, regardless of their circumstances, should be protected. All right, please share, like, comment, subscribe, do all the above. Send me an email, megan at confessionsofaschoolnurse.com, megan at confessionsofaschoolnurse.com. Until next time, confess to tell the truth. God bless. (laughs)